you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up. We're going two places today. Uh, we're going James 3, uh, then we're going to go Proverbs 4, and we might go to Proverbs 8. We'll, we'll find out. We'll see how it goes. Um, as, as we're getting started, though, I forgot to mention this. Uh, if you took part uh, this weekend in Servolution's Good Neighbor Program, we wanted, on behalf of Merge, we wanted to say thank you uh, for taking the time to get out there, uh, getting soaking wet. Uh, and eating uh, Domino's pizza, and so that was uh, one of one of the things we did have pizza. Oh, y- y'all had the we had yeah Saturday Saturday was pizza day, and uh, and so yeah, sorry, you you were there on Friday. You only got the the great hamburgers and hot dogs, so I don't know why you're complaining, sir. Uh, but. But one of the things that's important to us here at Merge is that we are part of the community uh, and we serve our community. And Good Neighbors is a great way for us uh, to partner with other organizations that are serving the community. Uh, It's so much easier to not have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, And so uh, here in April, we'll do another Good Neighbors Blitz and we will uh, hound you and hound you and hound you. And I'm sure it'll be freezing cold uh, or super rainy. Uh, Either way, we will get the work done. Uh, and so, but if you were there uh, this weekend, we wanted to say thank you for that. Uh, now, as we get going into James, let, let me let me say this. Uh, I leaned in pretty hard last week uh, with you guys as we were talking about the tongue. Uh, now, it really wasn't so much I that was leaning in as James, and really wasn't as much James as it was God. Uh, and so, uh, if you felt some discomfort there, and maybe you were a little sore the last couple days, you know, uh, let's let's take that up with God and let's ask Him. Uh, about those things, but we talked about the dangers that rest in a tongue running wild. Uh, as in really what's happening is we were being exposed to understanding how our words are more than, that they're more symptom than they are root. Uh, that James kind of lovingly brings us into this understanding that when our words are out of control or, or when they are fired like weapons, uh, it's because we've, we've built up ammunition in the chambers of our hearts. Uh, the out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And, and the good news for us is that, that James comes in and he says, uh, you know, one of the biggest challenges we face with the tongues is that, that with it, we bless God and we curse man. And then he says, my brothers, this should not be. And, and that's good news for us because it brings us some hope. Because this is what James has been saying all along, that if your faith is genuine, uh, if you really are walking in the light of the gospel, then Jesus changes everything. And the first thing he begins to change is our hearts. Uh, and so we have hope that because we can bless God with our mouth, uh, that it is entirely possible to stop cursing man with the same thing. Uh, and, and so our, our verses this morning, though, uh, will on one side seem to be a, a brand new thought. Like James has said, ah, we mastered the tongue thing, now let's move on. Uh, and it's really not that. Uh, but then on the other side, it will feel like a continuation, and I don't think it's necessarily um, contingent, contingency linked to, together. Um, but what really is happening is that our verses this morning, uh, I believe, will, will serve as this theme that James has been running in the background uh, this entire time. Uh, now, it wasn't as subtle as it will be today, uh, but all throughout, James, he's been kind of bringing us into an awareness of this area of our life. And, and really what he's going to ask us is, as you live and as you pursue wisdom, let's make sure that we are pursuing the right kind of wisdom. 
Uh, and because the wisdom that we operate in will determine what, he, what he's going to say is it will determine where we end up uh, with our lives. And so uh, let's pray and then let's, uh, let's get into this. Father, we come to you and we are very mindful this morning of your goodness. And we are, we are mindful this morning that you love us and that you long for, for the best for us. And, and we pray as we lean into your word that we would be uh, aware of your Holy Spirit, that he would speak to us in ways that are very clear this morning when it comes to uh, what kind of wisdom we are trying to operate in uh, throughout our lives. And as we try to lead our families, what kind of wisdom are we modeling uh, with our spouses and with our kids. And, and Father, ultimately what we desire here is to be drawn closer to You and that we would, with the fruits of our lives, bring a smile to You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Alright, so like I said, our, our search for, for wisdom has kind of been simmering uh, in the background for, for a couple of weeks now. And we first saw an instruction to search for it uh, in chapter 1, because uh, James is, remember, he opens with, hey, uh, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And, uh, and then he's explaining how, how uh, trials work itself out in our sanctification and our growing in Christ. Uh, and then he, he connects that. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And, but then he gives us this great warning, right? He says, ask without doubting, right? Because the man who, who asks with doubting is like the wave thrown to and fro by the sea, that that man receives nothing. And so, so, but we've been able to walk through these past couple weeks and we can see the role that wisdom can play in it, right? Because the next week we, we got to this area where James says that, that we are to be quick to hear and we are to be slow to speak, slow to become angry, uh, to not just be hearers of God's Word, but to actually be doers of God's Word. That, that as we progress, that it takes wisdom to understand what healthy relationships look like inside and outside uh, the church. And uh, that, that wisdom is most definitely a welcomed guest when uh, we're trying to figure out what are the best words to say in this uh, situation. And, and let's just, as, as we use a word, and I, I get there's, there's a danger at times when we use words like wisdom, uh, is that we can all have differing definitions. Uh, but what I want to do, just real quickly, is I want to bring a point of clarity uh, and, and say that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Okay? Uh, there's a difference between those two things. You can be very intelligent and yet at the same time be very unwise. Uh, much like um, being very capable in an area does not necessarily make you a leader. And, and so, so there are two different aspects that we're talking here. You can be smart, but yet dumb when it comes to wisdom. And, and I think a fair understanding of this word is that, that wisdom is knowledge as it's correctly applied. Uh, and so, so knowledge enables us to take things apart, but wisdom allows us to take knowledge and put things together, especially when it's related to God's word and how he's calling us to live. That's how we walk in wisdom. And, and so the book of Proverbs, uh, written by Solomon, uh, who, by the way, if you don't know much about him, uh, God's, he's about to become king, and God says, hey, what do you want? Uh, and, and he prays for a double portion of wisdom to lead the people. Uh, I'm sorry, he prays for wisdom to lead the people, and God gives him 
a double portion. And so, so he writes this book of Proverbs, which seems a lot like a Chinese uh, fortune cookie at times. Um, but in it, he laces this understanding of how we walk and understand and really relate to wisdom. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to go to chapter 8 in a second, but chapter 4, uh, I, I love it because it's written as a father would be writing his son. And, and he says this, as, as a dad talking to his son about wisdom, he says, get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. The Bible will describe wisdom as a lady. It says, do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her, love wisdom, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get it. <laughs> and whoever and whatever you get, get insight. Verse 8, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland uh, and she will bestow on you a, a beautiful crown. And so what we need to wrestle with this morning is a pursuit of what wisdom is and what kind of wisdom is pleasing to God. Uh, and and so, so we know this because James is going to force us to recognize just two different types of wisdom that's at play in our world. Uh, and, and as we see them clearly, we begin seeing the different purposes of each of them. So here we go in James chapter 3. I think we're going to start in verse 13, uh, mainly because we finished in 12 last week. Right? So he says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller, right? Who is wise, understanding among you, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the, what's the word? Meekness of wisdom. Now let's understand this. Meekness is not weakness, right? That's a lame pastoral uh, phrase. Meekness is not weakness. It's, it's power under control. All right? So let him show his works in the power of, under control, in wisdom. All right, and, and I love this because James comes back and he talks about our conduct. He talks about our works. And so it's not like in chapter 2 when he says faith without works is dead that he just leaves us there, right? He does that. We nailed that one. No longer need to deal with it. No, he brings this back into focus. Uh, and he says, uh, he says uh, keep pressing uh, that, that though we are saved by faith alone, it is a faith that has some sort of production in our lives. Uh, it's a certain kind of faith that's in action. And so, so James begins applying this to our wisdom by saying, uh, hey, if, if you think you're wise, if you like to go around and tell telling people you are wise, um, then, then don't just say it, show it. He says, walk in that wisdom that, uh, that actually you should be living it out. And so if you think you're wise, show me in the footsteps of your life. And this is, this is where James is going to begin describing two different kinds of wisdom. And first, he's going to talk about worldly wisdom, and then he's going to talk about heavenly wisdom. And he'll say basically wisdom that is down below and wisdom that is up above. And, uh, but before we get there, I want to give you two lenses that I think will be helpful as we talk about how we view wisdom, okay? Uh, in fact, the two are, are, we'll move through them pretty quickly. The first one in your talk notes is this. All right. Uh, well, when we think about God, here's the first thing you need to understand about Him, and this goes against a lot of our views. Okay, that God is for God. Okay, God is for God. Name, namely, this, and I know this is going to sound hard, 
All right? Namely, you are not the point of your existence. Okay? And now I know that that comes hard because you're like, no, no, no. I like being the center of my own world. Uh, I like believing that the sun revolves around me. And you're like, no, that's not me. You're like, yeah, it is. It is because it's, it's part of all of us. It's part of all of us. Now, let me just... If, if, let me... I'll, let me describe this scenario and tell me if you're like, this is, yeah, secretly, this is really what I want in my life. I want to come home at the end of my day, and I want all my kids to have cleaned their room, and I want my spouse to have supper ready to go. And when I walk in, I want them to all celebrate me. I want them to come in, and I want them to hug me, but not too much hug, right? Just enough hug to where I'm like, all right, you're good. Now, carry on, you know, go to the backyard. Don't bother me anymore, right? That's including kids and spouse for some of you. Um, and you want people at the dinner table to say, hey, tell us about your day. Tell us what's going on. What did you like about today? What didn't you like about today? And then we spend 45 minutes talking about how much, great you are. <laughs> how much we love you. Right? And some of you are like, yeah, I won't, I won't say it out loud, but that would be nice. That would be nice. And... And the Bible paints a different picture when it comes to God's desire. And now part of our issue that we face in this world is we do, make, we do internalize everything. We do try to work out everything for our benefit. Uh, but when we come to the Bible, here's what we learn. That God is, at first, His desire is that He is uppermost in His own affections. He's uppermost in it. He, he'll say things like, I'm a jealous God. I share my glory with no one. I share it with, with no one. That He Himself is the Son. We revolve around uh, and that everything He does and all that He is is ultimately about His name, His renown. Now, yeah, okay, no, don't misunderstand me. He loves you. He loves you. But because He's decided to love you, not that you've earned that. He cares about you. He will bless you. He is for you. But you are not the uppermost in God's affections. And some of us need to hear that. Okay? That God is crazy about you. But He cares about His glory more than He cares about you. And the way I... It's, it's a poor illustration, but it's... I always tell the kids who live in my house, I love you, but I love Misty more. <laughs> that my desire is for her. And so, so I think God is very honest about this. I love you, but I love my renown more. I am uppermost in my own affection. Now, because, now here's the issue, okay? Because some of you are like, I don't know if that really works. I think God really does love me more than He loves anybody else in the world. If that was the case, if God loved you more than He loved Himself, He would be, by definition, an idolater. And everything that we believe in crumbles around that. So we have to be very aware. And so, so we get to places that, that God loves me, okay? And so there's this famous psalm, Psalm 23, right? Uh, most everybody has spent time uh, seeing it, cross-stitching it, right? I've seen it in like old ladies' houses. That's always a cross-stitch thing. Um, but it starts with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me uh, beside uh, still... Uh, I'm sorry, He leads me... Uh, sorry, I'm burping and talking at the same time. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores, he restores my soul. 
then there's something really important that we realize as the psalmist remembers the care of God and what God is doing. He says, He leads me in paths of righteousness. And then there's some words. For His namesake. So all the leading in our life, all this caring, all this sharing that God does with His heart for you, all this um, God taking care of your needs before you even know, all of it is led to this destination of God's heart that I am leading you for my namesake. You are mine. And everything's about me. Okay, now, the, the driving of heart of God is that all of His blessing, all of His loving, all of His encouraging, saving, rescuing, ransoming, sanctifying is according to Ephesians 1 uh, for the praise of His glorious grace. For the praise, so, so the action of God on behalf of ransoming my soul and rescuing me and saving me and uh, saving you and sanctifying you is ultimately so that much can be made about what God has done for us in Christ. That, that, and now, C.S. Lewis always struggled with this because he said it sounded like God was very needy, that he was desperate for attention. And that's very much not the case. That uh, God does not have a poor self-esteem or He doesn't suffer from an identity crisis of why haven't these people liked my Facebook posts. Right? He doesn't operate like that. What God is doing when He says things like, like, worship me and rejoice in me and delight in me, is He's not begging for compliments, but He's rather, He's trying to give us the one thing that we need, which is to not be about us all the time. Which is to be about Him. And so, so a delight in God that leads to a rejoicing in God actually frees the soul up in magnificent ways. Because if that is the pursuit of my life, to make much of God, then I don't have to hold expectations over my spouse about why they don't care about me in the ways I expect them to care about me. Expressed or unexpressed. Can we, can we agree that there's a landmine there somewhere? I don't have to find my identity in how well my kids do. I don't have to feel shame when my kids act a fool, which they will. I don't have to wear that responsibility. I'm freed up. Because the world doesn't revolve around me. So when your kid acts a fool, gets in trouble, don't you feel at times, what will other people think about me as a parent? Right? So we, we have identity crises here. And God says, if it's all about you, you will navigate toward there. But when it's about me, you are freed to just point everybody to what I'm doing in your life, through your life. And, and so this truth actually leads to more freedom. That when I realize that God is for God, I am set free to not be the point. I can stop trying so hard to be for me. And through my love for God, begin to play a healthy role in the lives of other people. And so number two. All right, God has designed the world to work in a specific way leading to God's glory and my joy. Okay? My, my joy is greater when God's glory is most in focus. So, so this is where we get, speaking of wisdom, uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 8, he says this. Okay, and, and now I would encourage you this week to go spend some time in all of chapter 8. Uh, but let me talk to you about how wisdom plays a role. That, that the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. We're talking about wisdom. The first of his acts of old, ages ago, I, I was set up at first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. 
when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before He made the earth with its fields or, uh, or the first of the dust of the world, when He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep, when He made firm the skies above, when He established the fountains of the deep, when He assigned to the sea uh, its limit so that the waters might not transgress His command. I love that. That that God has so much control that He says, nope, you're going to stop right there. I'm sorry, I'll complete. Where are we at? I was there. I'm just seeing if y'all pay attention. When He marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside Him like a master workman, and I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him always. So wisdom rejoices before God always. Rejoicing is an inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Now dial in, listen to wisdom. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction, be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So, so here's, here's the gauntlet that, according to Proverbs, that, that the world can say this is wisdom. That Webster can define it that Shakespeare can write a sonnet about it, Aristotle can debate it, um, but, but, but here's the definition that the Bible will consistently say. If you're looking for wisdom, it begins here. Fear the Lord. Amen. That's a baby amen right there. I've ever heard it. Fear the Lord. Not, not fear the Lord in the ways that we fear the dark, but, but fear the Lord in having an honest, respect and awe of His abilities and His care and His majesty. That we would fear the Lord. The beginning of all wisdom, all knowledge is an understanding of this, that that God has designed the world and as Creator, Designer of the world, His commands about uh, how to navigate the world transcends us. Transcends our emotions, transcends our expectations, that He's the one who made it. He knows how it works. We don't know all of it. And that's a good place for me to be. As a person who likes to think He knows all things about all things. But, but God has not abandoned us to fumble our way through. Rather, He's revealed to us true wisdom as opposed to false wisdom. Uh, and so if you, if you walk in true wisdom, uh, this is what He says, you find life. You find blessing. But if you walk in false wisdom, you hurt yourself and, and you love death. And so, so these are our two lenses, that, that, that God is for God and that He's designed this world in a specific way that leads to, to His glory, my joy. And so, so let's talk about the wisdom. Back in, in James chapter 3, verse 14, it says this, but if, you, okay, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your what? Hearts. Okay? In your hearts, because that's where, that's where that creature lives. That's where it's sparked. And the more you feed it, the more it grows. So, but if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is 
earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So he gives, James gives us some, something very helpful here. Uh, he says the believer has three enemies when it comes to heavenly wisdom. And he says, let's talk about them quickly. Uh, number one, he says it's earthly. He says it's earthly, meaning that the law of the, there's, a, there's a wisdom of the land. And it's very earthly. There, there's much to be said about the wisdom of the world. And I think we have to be careful. We don't confuse uh, the world's knowledge and the world's wisdom. Because certainly there's a great deal of knowledge uh, for us in this world, and we all benefit from it, but there's not much wisdom. Uh, somebody said once that man unlocks the secrets of the universe, but he doesn't know what to do with them. He doesn't know how to apply them. And so any person enamored with wisdom really should spend some time uh, in Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 because he kind of explains uh, that that man's wisdom is foolishness to God. Uh, and then a little bit later he says God's wisdom is foolishness to man. That, that man's wisdom comes from reason while God's wisdom comes from revelation. Uh, and so because the world has turned from God, it's lost its true wisdom. But this false wisdom has another source, and, uh, and James says it's, it's unspiritual. Uh, it's, it's unspiritual. That the main idea is that man's fallen nature, as opposed to the new nature given by God, uh, that, that there's a wisdom that gets its origin uh, in man's nature totally separated from the Spirit of God. And so there's things in our carnal self that will make more sense that are very much unwise decisions. And usually we find out what was wise and unwise in hindsight, right? Like, oh boy, that was stupid. What was I, what was I thinking? And this, it can be deceiving though because uh, some of this wisdom, it, it can look very religious uh, and it can look very sincere, but it's rooted in our own sinfulness and our own desire to care for our own needs. But, but this wisdom... Uh, that's from beneath is also, uh, James says, it's demonic. Okay, so, so, so where earthly wisdom comes from, uh, living in culture, and where unspiritual wisdom comes from living inwardly, demonic wisdom is an attack from our greatest enemy, who is a very real threat at all times. And so even, you go back to Genesis 3. How'd it go, Alan? You good? All right. Was it just a one or a two? Just a one. It was just a one, guys. Um, and so, come in that door over there so that I don't see you coming in this door. So, we're good. All right. So, here we go. Go back to Genesis 3. All right? Scott's like, this, great, this church is great. I don't know what we're talking about, but this guy made this kid feel really awkward. And so, Genesis 3, all the way back, Satan comes in and he deceives Eve. Right? Eve falls for that deception. And really, the promise is wisdom. You will know. You will know something that you do not know yet. And from that point on, there is a wisdom of Satan at work, attempting to fight against the wisdom of God, attempting to fight against the wisdom of God. Doesn't. Doesn't. It's like a two-year-old trying to do a fist fight with a grown man. Uh, can't win. Can't win. And so Satan convinced Eve that she would be like God, he told her that the tree would make her wise. And ever since that event, people have continued to believe Satan's lies and, and, and have tried to become 
their own gods. That's, that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 paints that picture very clearly. And so in contrast to, to the wisdom uh, that is earthly, James describes a wisdom that, that's from above. Okay, uh, And so we keep this in mind that back in chapter 1, verse 17, he, he says that, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father who is above. So we find that the source of all good things come from the heavenly realms. So, so there's something important we can lean in towards uh, in these verses. And he, they say, he says this, that, but the wisdom from above okay, is first pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I love it. I love it in the Bible when it gives me lists. I don't know if you're a list person. I am. Uh, I like making lists, if for any other reason, to check them off. Like, nailed it, right? Sometimes you start with really easy things so you can just build the momentum, right? I'm speaking your language now. She's like, yeah! Um, and so, so I find that that lists, when it comes to the Bible, are helpful. Uh, because uh, it, it's almost like a night and day situation. Because So the Bible uh, says that when we compare healthy and sinful actions, both of them are lit up by God's desire uh, and can be very obvious even to the casual observer. Uh, we get to understand how jealousy and selfishness and, and boasting and lying, how it pales in comparison to the health of, uh, of purity and peace and gentleness and reason, mercy, impartiality and sincerity. Uh, it's it's the this, this Sesame Street caliber choices, right? Do you, which is better? Okay, and we can just do this. Which is better, mercy or jealousy? See, some of you whispered it because you're unsure and the rest of you didn't say anything because you're like, I don't know. Which is, so which is, which is better, gentleness or selfishness? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when the Bible lines them up, it's incredibly obvious. But when the stirrings of our hearts are activated, all of a sudden there's confusion. And we're like, I, yeah. I, you ever just wanted to be selfish because you're like, I just want to be selfish? And you're like, that's... Yeah, that's, that's dangerous. When we today would look around and be like, yeah, jealousy's not good. I shouldn't be... De- Selfishness, that's not good. I see it in other people and I'm like, oh, that's horrible. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I just want to be selfish. I don't care how they feel about this. I care about how I feel about this. So I love it when the Bible just lights it up and says, ah, which one do you want to be part of? And he says, avoid those things. And so, so, so we, we could talk about the attributes of wisdom, and I, we could, uh, but, but I feel like because most of you guys know English pretty well, uh, you have an, a good grasp about what these words are. Uh, and, and the challenge that we face isn't understanding um, what the word uh, mercy lo- is or what the word uh, being sincere, sincere is, um, but, but the challenge we face is ap- applying those words. When we read these words, we know when we have it and we know when we're producing it and we know when we're not walking in it. And so instead of walking through definitions, uh, let, let me give you two outcomes 
uh, and then how we evaluate which wisdom we're, we're walking in the most, okay? Um, so the two places that James tells us that wisdom will take us, uh, that verse 16, he says that worldly wisdom produces trouble. He says it just produces trouble. That, that in James 4, we're going to be dealing with um, wars and fighting among the believers, and, and really because since wrong, wrong thinking produces wrong living. That's the way it is. Wrong thinking produces wrong living. And so, so, so one reason that the world is in such a mess is because we've refused to accept the wisdom of God. We've chosen to create new rules. We've chosen to, to create new ideas of what success looks like. And it affects how we, we walk in this world. And so jealousy and competition and bitterness all contribute to this confusion. It contributes to conflict. And, and really what it does is it sets the stage for these vile practices. And now, if the world is in danger, okay, here's the, here's the connection, because it's really easy to be a church person right now and say, well, that's them, not me. Okay? But here's the argument James has been making this whole time, that there are people who are inside the church whose faith is not genuine. So if that is possible then the issues of the world can leak into the issues of the church. And this is why James is cleaning it up. This is why he's addressing it. So, so, so worldly wisdom produces trouble, and then what James says in verse 18 is that heavenly wisdom produces blessing. Heavenly wisdom produces blessing. That the Christian life is one of sowing and reaping. And really, for that matter, all of our lives, uh, Christian or not Christian, is about sowing and reaping. The, the, the harvest uh, that the Christian sows uh, is righteousness, not sin. Uh, we sow peace, not war. And the life of, that God has made available to us in Christ begins producing a fruit that spreads a seed wherever we are. Warren Wiersbe put it this way, uh, what we are is what we live, and what we live is what we sow. And what we sow determines what we reap. And so if we live in God's wisdom, we sow righteousness and peace, and we reap God's blessing if we live in man's worldly wisdom, we sow sin and war and we reap confusion in every evil work. So let's start wrapping this up. So, so here's, here's where we fall. And it's a really long road to get to this really short point. Okay? So, so how do we know which wisdom we are operating in? Now, I think it's fairly safe to say, you know, if, if I said, hey, this week, who would like to operate in worldly wisdom uh, and who would like to operate in heavenly wisdom? We'd all be like, oh, well, you know, a little bit of both. No, you'd say heavenly wisdom, right? That's, that's the Bible lights that up and says that's, that ends here. That ends in a bad spot. This ends in a good spot. And we want good things. So we say, let's go, let's go with the right answers. And so, but, but our question is, how do I know that I'm operating in it. And I believe that the answer can be pretty obvious when we see the way James lays these things out. And so, circle back to our two lenses, that, that God is for God, uh, that He's designed the world in such a way that is leading to His glory, our joy. And so, so here's what I believe James is telling us as a spotlight, uh, separating worldly uh, and heavenly wisdom. He says that if the wisdom we are striving for or walking in returns um, and makes much of us, then we're operating in worldly wisdom. If, if everything turns back to the spotlight, you. So, so jealousy finds its purpose in our desire to have something. 
that we believe we deserve more than the next person. That's, you realize that's what jealousy is. And most of the time our issues in jealousy isn't with the other person, but really it's with God. Uh, because if God can do that for them, then he should have done it for us. And so jealousy finds its purpose in this desire to have something we believe we deserve more than the next person. Selfishness reasons that our comforts should be made priority over other people. Boasting, lying are tools used when we feel the need to compete with other people so our significance can be felt. You realize that, right? We boast because we feel like we're in competition with other people. And this is the beauty of the gospel. It frees us up. I don't have to compete with anyone because I will never, never achieve the holiness of Christ. So I don't have to compete. And if I don't have to compete, I don't have to boast. And if you want, okay, worldly wisdom, and I think this is what James has been telling us, it begins and it ends with ourselves. And if you want some good advice on how to wreck your life, make it all about you. If you want to end up miserable in life, make everything about you. Because nothing will will end relationships faster. (laughs) Nothing will cause more avoidance. Then, yeah, seems like a good person. Man, they sure do like them. So if you want to be miserable, manipulate situations for your wins and others' defeats. Compete with the successes of others and squash opportunities for people to have happy endings. Be the king of graveyards. That's what it is. Worldly wisdom, it will turn inward because it longs to serve self-created gods. But then on the other hand, if, if the wisdom you're walking in makes much of Jesus, makes much of God, and it puts, puts the gospel on display, then we have an adventure worth living. We have, we have a, a reason for singing. We have a reason for celebrating. We have a reason for boasting. How about that? How about every moment you want to brag about yourself, you make sure that as you brag about yourself, you're connected to what God is doing in your life. Not in a way of competing, but declaring the goodness and the care of your Heavenly Father. That you would walk in wisdom. That you would be able to to patiently walk at the speed of God. And you would ask Him about those situations that you say, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with those people. I don't know what to do with that opportunity. I don't know what to do with that situation. That maybe we would fight the desire to come in and say, how can I make this work out best for me? And we start asking the question, how can I make sure that God has put on display in this moment. In my actions, reactions, my words, my hands of service, how do I make much of God? And I believe by doing that, what we'll find is that we operate in a wisdom that's actually beneficial to us, and we will walk in a way that's actually in freedom, not in slavery. Because those other things, again, we, when we line them up, it seems so very obvious that jealousy is bondage. Bitterness is bondage. Selfishness, it's bondage. And God says you don't have to live that way.
I've set you free in Christ. That's good news. It's good news. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, I'll make a couple things available. Maybe, maybe you don't know how to operate in heavenly wisdom because you've never asked Jesus into your heart. We think today would be the best day for that. And you say, well, I've been at this church for much too long. What if they find out I wasn't a Christian? It's all right. We are all jacked up people. There's no better time to give Jesus your heart than right now. Maybe you need prayer this morning. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you through life's experiences. And so there's going to be a group of people right outside this door when we dismiss, and they want to pray with you. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care about us. We thank you that you give us a wisdom and you give us a peace and you give us an understanding that the world doesn't get. Now, I pray we would be people who maybe our first step is just acknowledging when we are trying to manipulate situations for our own benefit and not for your glory. Help us see that. Help us walk in health. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.